Well, how's everybody doing today? Good. Hope you had a good night's rest, and um, it's great to be uh, with you today. And so today we're going to try to, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to kick off um, a, a series of messages that we want to do um, through the weekend, um, calling this uh, A Better Story. And um, everybody wants to tell a good story with their lives, and yet um, there are times where junk gets in the way of us really telling, uh, us telling a really good story. And so we're going to be talking about, we're going to kind of introduce it today, and then we'll talk about, um, it'll, it'll make sense um, as, we, uh, as we get to the end of the message and as we talk about what we're going to do um, later on in other, in other messages as well. And so, uh, so that's, that's, how we'll, that's how we'll roll today. And uh, my wife was here uh, yesterday with, uh, with my daughter. Thanks for uh, all of the well wishes and happy anniversaries and that sort of thing. Uh, my daughter said, Dad, you can't walk five feet without somebody saying happy anniversary. And so, uh, so thank you all. Thank you all for making, uh, making it a, a special day. Even though I'm working in a sense, uh, we did go to Cold Stone and uh, get some ice cream and, um, and we'll do... Uh, we'll do something bigger uh, once, uh, once, I'm, once I'm done and get back. So let me ask you a question to kind of get us uh, diving into uh, today. Uh, what, is your, what is your favorite movie? What's your favorite movie? Yes, you can answer me back. This is not rhetorical. Braveheart, that's right. William Wallace, Braveheart. I'm sorry? Risen. Okay, uh, I think that's, a very, that's kind of a new movie, right? Yeah, okay, what else? What's that? War Room. Okay, War Room is a really, really good. Mary Poppins. All right, Mary Poppins. Okay, yeah. Sound of Music. And what else? Casablanca. All right. All right. Fiddler on the Roof. Dude, what happened to 300 or something? like? Princess Bride. Okay, all right. So, um, so let me ask another question. Um, what is your favorite line in your church's constitution? <laughs> Greatest I, that's in your constitution? All right. <laughs> I knew you just wanted to give an answer, right? All right. <laughs> What's your favorite line in the constitution? Jesus. Jesus, all right. Jesus is the answer to everything. Well, see, it's interesting. The reason that we can, you can probably recite some of the lines in your favorite movie. The reason for that is, is that uh, the truth of our lives are enmeshed in story. That, that, that our lives are about stories. That, that your life and my life, we resonate with storytelling so much because our lives are like one big story. It, it'll make, it, it, it just makes sense. I mean, storytelling is making a comeback, whether in business or whether in the educational circles. Stories are making a comeback, even on the radio. Uh, for those of you who listen to NPR, um, you, you've probably heard The Moth, The Moth Radio Hour. It's probably one of the most fantastic shows on NPR because these are normal, everyday stories that, uh, that enrapture us. My wife and I went a couple of weeks ago, and we, we actually attended a live moth event. And it was, like, fascinating. All five stories were amazing stories. And, uh, 
and, and we resonate with story because our own lives are like stories. Sometimes our stories are funny, and sometimes our stories are painful. Sometimes our stories are joyful. Sometimes our stories, um, they, uh, they have these embarrassing elements to them, but, but they're stories. Another reason our lives are like stories is because there's a beginning and an end. There's a beginning of our story, and there's an end of our story. Our lives are like stories because, you know, there's a, there's a protagonist and there's an antagonist in your story. Mostly our kids are the antagonists in our stories. <laughs> so there's a protagonist and there's an antagonist. We are always the heroes of our stories, right? Yeah, so woo, yeah. And there's, a, you know, there's an antagonist. There is, a, there is conflict in our stories and there is struggle in our stories. And we hope that there is resolution in our stories, right? Somebody right now, you're, you're experiencing, you're in the middle of your story, and you're just waiting for the conflict to be resolved. In fact, if we have too much conflict in our story and no resolution, we wonder, we start to wonder, am I living the right story? Does this make sense? Like, like if, there, if, there, if there are too many edits in our lives and too much conflict, it's like, I am in the wrong story. And God, can you please place me in a different story? Place me in a different story. So, so our lives are like stories. You are living a story right now. And every decision that you and I make on a daily basis, we write our stories. And everybody in this room, you want to tell a good story with your life. So when you get to the end of your life, somebody will step on the stage and say, and they live happily ever after. That's, a, that's the end to every, supposedly every good story. Every, every nursery rhyme that you and I have read, every story that you and I have read, somebody steps onto the stage for the most part, Cinderella, she gets the slipper and the, and the prince, yeah. They live happily ever after. So, 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 so today I, wanna, I, want to, um, I wanna actually talk about, uh, I wanna talk about this whole idea of, um, of you and I living and telling a better, a better story with, uh, with our lives. All right, so, um, all right, so, so everyone has a story. You have a story, I have a story. Some of your stories begin in, um, with single parents. Some of your stories begin with a two-parent family. Some of your stories begin with uh, a mom dying early or a dad dying early. Uh, some of your stories begin with a birth of a child, then the death of a child. Some of your stories begin with, uh, with like, wow, you know, uh, a happy, like, like dad bought me a Swin bicycle, and, and it's part of, your, part of your story. Everyone has a story. And, um, and so there are plot lines and storylines to our stories. There is the, uh, the career plot line to our story, right? Somebody told you, go to school, work hard, study long, pass the ACTs, 
pass the uh, SATs, and you'll get into the college of your choice. And if you get into the college of your choice, the reason you want to get into the college of your choice, because at the end of that, you will get a good job. That's what your that's what your story says. That's what everybody says. And, and the reason you want a good job is so you can, so you can, the reason why you want to have a good education so you can get a good job and you want a good job so you can somehow find your way up the corporate ladder and you want to, you want to, you want to live your life in such a way that everyone looks at you and say, you are telling a good story with your career. And many of you have done that. You went to school, you did everything you were supposed to do, you filled out the applications and you got into your school and now you're, you got to your job and, and now you, you, know, you brown nose a little bit, not too much, but you, know, you stepped on a few people to get to climb the corporate ladder because it's a part of your story. Why? Because everyone has told you that if you get a good job, you make a good, you make a good living or make a lot of money and you have the house and the car then at the end, somehow you'll live happily ever after. And then there's the plot line of, um, of relationships. <laughs> plot line of your relationships, right? Somehow, you know, they tell you, this is what they tell us, this is what they tell us. You find the guy, find the girl, make sure that you date her, date him right, make sure, you know, you, 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 know, you fall in love because that's what you're supposed to do. And while you're dating, while you're dating, he can do nothing wrong, she can do nothing wrong. His flatulence doesn't stink, her flatulence doesn't stink. Her breath smells beautiful, and, and I mean, nothing wrong. And then ultimately they tell you, put a ring on it, because that's what you're supposed to do. You get married, you have the two and a half kids and the dog and the two-car garage, maybe three, and then you live in a subdivision someplace in a very exclusive neighborhood because that's part of our story. That's a part of the American story. Family, everything is going well. Your family is perfect. Everyone looks at your family, looks at your marriage, looks at your children, and you have the perfect children. The perfect children, they, they do everything they've told, you've told them to do. They finish school. They go to law school. They go to medical school. They're an accountant or something like that or an actuary. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, like, like they, they have achieved everything you've wanted them to achieve. And you go out and you hang out with your friends and you tell your friends that my Johnny is this and Mary is this and everybody looks at your life and say, whoa, you're living a great story, living an amazing story. And then there's the plot line, um, there's the plot line of our health. We eat right, right? We eat right and we eat all of our vegetables and we do low carb and high protein and we not only eat right, I mean, we, we do gluten free and egg free and sugar free and CMO free and everything free. After a while, we will be food free, all right? Food free where we will die, all right? So, so, so there's a sense where we eat healthy. Why? Because we want to tell a better story. We exercise, right? You plank, push-ups. <laughs> you and I run. Why? Because we want to tell a better story. 
We want to tell a better story with our health. Why? Because we don't want to die young. And we don't want to be trapped in this body with some debilitating condition that will not allow us to live our lives to the fullest. So we do all of these things to tell a good story with our lives. This is resonating with someone, right? We have friends who live this way. They do yoga, hot yoga, cold yoga, whatever it is. And <laughs> And there is, why? Because there's a deep desire to not, to, to be able to tell a better story with our lives. And then there's the, uh, so we can obviously live happily ever after. Then there's the story of God. We want to tell a story, a better story, a good story, even in our relationship with God. We say, you know, God, I'm going to keep all the rules, and I'm going to uh, do everything that you want me to do. I'm going to keep your, keep your Ten Commandments because I believe, I believe your rules will help me tell a better story. The idea is this, is that if anybody, if anybody can help us to tell a good story, a better story with our lives, it is this God guy. It's God can help us tell a better story. And when we get to the end of our lives, we keep our fingers crossed, hoping that we've done enough and that he will accept the story we've told with our lives. Some of your friends, and maybe even some of you in this room, I don't know, maybe you're crossing your fingers that when you get to the end of your life, that I hope that I've told a good story to God or for God, and that God will let me into his heaven. So there's a sense where, where we, we, we do these things. We do these things because we want to tell a good story with our, with our lives. Well, the interesting thing is, why? Because we want to live happily ever after. Now, with every story, with every story, every storyline, there is a plot twist. Every story. And some of you are living a plot twist right now. That is when the story changes directions abruptly. And you are left wondering, what story am I in? Why? Because we want to live happily ever after. So, so the storyline of your job, you've done everything you're supposed to do. You've, you've uh, made the grades. You've graduated from a, a, a prestigious college. You've gotten a job. And you have you made it to the corner office. And you're overlooking high rise, overlooking the city. And you are like, whoa, this is amazing. And then one day, your boss calls you into the office and says, today is your last day. We're laying off a lot of people. But I've been with the company for 25 years. Yeah, we're downsizing. Plot twist. And then you go and you listen to the market. It's not a bull market anymore. Brexit happens, and, um, and, and it, it affects the market. There's a crash. There's a downturn in the economy. And then now you have to empty out your 403B or your 401K, and there's a plot twist to the career in your, in your life. And then you go looking for a job, you can't find one. 
This is the story of our lives. My wife, we moved to Lansing, and my wife is an educator. She's been an educator for 20-plus years, and she, we moved to Lansing, and she could not find a job, period. So she's gone from one job to the next job to the next. Here's, some, here's someone who has a degree from the University of Illinois Champaign, has a master's degree in education, and then another master's degree and can't find a job. That's probably some of your stories. So, so plot twist. Plot twist. Here's the plot twist of your relationships. That perfect marriage and the two-car garage and the 2.1 children and the dog riding in the front. Now life has crashed your relationship, your marriage. Some of you are living that right now. That he... You, you, um, you come home and you find divorce papers and the ring on the kitchen counter. And now it's no longer us, it's now you going this way, me going this way, plot twist. Some of you know some people in your small group like that. Some of you came here alone this week because this is your life. Some of you right now, maybe even on the verge of that right now, you're, you said we wanted to tell a good story, but something happened in your marriage, something happened in your relationship, and you came here, and, and, and you came here together, but you're not together. That's part of your story. And then there's the plot twist of your health. You do everything you're supposed to do. You eat right, you run, you plank, and you do all of those things. And then all of a sudden, you go for your physical, and the doctor says, yeah, it's a tough deal. I wish I had better news. It's cancer. Less than, less than a year ago, we're coming up to the anniversary, um, I talked to my mother on a Friday, and by Sunday, she was dead. Suddenly, plot twist. My mother was healthy. My mother was, was fine, but, but, but we didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know that there was something else going on in her life. Plot twist. Some of you are experiencing that right now, or you've experienced it. Plot twist. And then there's a the plot twist with God, right? <laughs> Like, like we did everything we're supposed to do, and it still feels like we've not done enough. And there's a big hand from the sky saying, you've not done enough. You remember that time you didn't go to church and you played golf? Hey, that was the time. <laughs> that was the time you should have been in church. You remember the time you, you skipped devotions that day? And it feels like a heavy hand from heaven said, oh, that was the devotion you were supposed to do. It feels that way, right? Plot twist with God, like we've not done enough. And there are some people who are listening to me right now. Part of your story is this. You want to work and work and work and work to somehow please and feed this seemingly angry God in the sky. So I, I go to church. I read my Bible. I give to charity. I work uh, to help those who are needy and poor, somehow hoping that it works. And the truth is, the truth is, is that you and I can never, ever do enough to please God, to make us right before God. 
there's enough, not enough you and I can do. So, so even if you, and again, all of this, you know, we, we say, man, we want to live a happily ever after life, but, and it doesn't, it, it just, we, we, we're trying to tell these good, good stories with our lives. So let's say, for instance, you have, and there, there, is, there is scripture, you all. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I need to set the table, all right? Um, even if you get to the place where you have achieved nirvana, zen, and feng shui, I kind of like that word. You know, I just kind of like saying that. There is still yet a plot twist. Even if you, you, you have a happy marriage and you, everything is going right and you have, you're healthy, you get a good report from the doctor every single time you go and your marriage is fine, your kids are well behaved and they're doing their thing and even if you have a great relationship with God, a genuine and real relationship with God, there's still yet one more plot twist. And that plot twist is death. It is the ultimate villain, arch enemy of every believer, every human being. So even if you get to the place, even if you get to the place where you have achieved whatever you've, uh, you, you're achieving, this villain will come, step onto the stage, utter a few lines, and ruin everything. Everything you work for. Everything, everything you were, sometimes he comes early, sometimes he comes late, sometimes he comes in the middle of your story, sometimes when you're at a place where it is a perfect, it feels like everything is going right for you. The Grim Reaper steps onto the stage and before a waiting audience, mumbles a few things, exits stage right, and we're left with grief. We're left with heartache. We're left with angst. So the interesting thing about this is, is that, 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 that there's a plot twist to the plot twist. There's a plot twist to the plot twist. Yeah, he steps onto the stage, and it seems as if death has won every time. In fact, he has won every time. He has won, I mean, he is a hundred percent, he has a hundred percent record or a, a thousand, he's batting a thousand when it comes to this. And yet there's a plot twist to his plot twist because there's one time that he didn't win. It's one time that he didn't win. And here's the passage, let's check it out. It says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So this is, this is Jesus. This is, this, is, this is after the death of Jesus. And they had buried him in Joseph Arimathea's new tomb. And so the Marys go to the tomb to actually pay honor and, and, and homage to Jesus. They are going to respect him, pay respect to him. And I wonder if sometimes we just simply do our church thing to, to pay respect to Jesus as opposed to honoring him. Check this out, though. So, so, so Google, Google wanted to defeat death. 
Google said that, that um, we can change death or we can stop death. And they asked, the, the question was, why? Google says it's because it's never been done before. Well, yes, it has. It has been done before. Check it out. Here's a verse. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. But the angel said to the, woman, the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, whom, who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen, and he, uh, as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Here is the moment where death said, I thought I had him, and yet Jesus rises from the dead so that you and I can actually tell a good story with our lives. I can imagine, I can imagine, I can imagine uh, death and the grave having a conversation. Death asking grave, do you have him? Grave says, yeah, I, I, they, you know, I got him. I, I've kept everybody for as long as the world has existed. I kept Stalin, and I kept Hitler, and I have all of these other people in the grave. And so that's day one. Day two, maybe they're sipping on whatever death in the grave sip on. I don't know what it is, but they, they're sipping on that and maybe watching The Walking Dead. I don't know. I'm just saying. They're, 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 they're doing their thing. And I said, do you still have them? Yes, I still have them. I, yeah, I, I've done this. I, I know how to do this. I've done this for many, many years. And, and grave says, death, do you have them? And death says, grave, do you have them? And yes, yeah, we, I, yeah, we, we got it. They kind of fist bump each other and say, you and we got them. And, and then all of a sudden, the third day, there's a rumbling in the grave. There's a rumbling in the grave, and Jesus stands. He stands in power. He stands and says, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. And death and the grave, they're looking at each other. I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. I thought, I thought you had him. I thought you had him. No, you cannot keep the Son of God down. So Jesus rose again, so as to, for you and I to tell a better story with our lives, that to even defeat the last villain, yes, we die again, yes, we still die, but Jesus rose again from the dead to give us hope beyond the grave to give us hope beyond the grave, to say when you and I die as followers of Jesus Christ, that one day we will rise again. We will rise again. We will see our loved ones again. I will see my mom again. You will see your dad again. You will see your child again. You will see your friend again. Why? Because they trusted Jesus, the one who conquered hell, death, and the grave, who stood up with all power in his hand, and he transfers that to us transfers that to us. He says, because I want you to tell a better story. Jesus is what Jesus says. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory or thy victory? But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through Jesus, we can actually not be afraid of death, not be afraid of the grave. He goes on, he says, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 10, he says, through the appearing of our Savior, uh, Christ Jesus, who abolished death. 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then he says, Revelation 1 and uh, 1, 17 and 18, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living ones. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. I can imagine, I can imagine death and, uh, and, and the grave. They are, they are, you know, they wake up the neck, they wake up on the third day and they see that Jesus has rose again from the dead and they begin checking their pockets and checking their side belt to see where the keys and Jesus stands and said, y'all looking for these? <laughs> you looking for these? Because I have, and the keys is, I have authority over death and the grave. I have, I want you to let that wash over your heart. I have authority. So that means you and I don't have to be afraid. You and I don't have to be afraid of death. You and I don't have to be afraid of the grave. You and I can actually tell a better story with our lives. See, many, many of us, many, many times, we do all of these other things because we are afraid of death. We're afraid of the end. But Jesus says, because I rose again, conquered death in the grave, you and I can actually tell a better story. I want you to check this out. So let me ask you, what are these, I'm going I'm to uh, flick through these movies, tell me what these movies have in common. Okay, happy endings, okay. Friendship, what else, what do you think? I'm sorry? Emotion, that's right, okay. Pixar. Okay, what else? What do you think? Well, all of these movies, what, what they have in common, and all of those things are right, um, but the one thing they have in common, in common, they were very, very bad movies. I know y'all looking at me like crazy, like, like. They were, they were and, and if kids were in here, they were like, they would throw tomatoes at me, like, boo! They were very bad movies in their original form. Listen to what Ed Catmull said, who's uh, one of the executive directors of the Brain Trust for Pixar. Early on, all of our movies suck. That's a blunt assessment, I know, but I chose that phrasing because saying it in a softer way fails to convey how bad the first versions really are. I am not trying to be modest or self-effacing. Pixar films are not good at first. And our job is to make them so to go, as I say, from suck to not suck. We rework, rework, and rework again until a flawed story finds its through line or a hollow character finds its soul. And the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is about taking our lives from sucky and making them not suck. And Jesus is the only one that can give a, a good through line and to help you and I find who God created us to be. Maybe some of you are saying, you know something, I'm telling a really bad story with my life right now. 
I'm telling a sucky story in my marriage. I'm telling a sucky story with my job. I'm telling a sucky story in college. I don't get the grades that I, I don't, I'm lazy. I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling a sucky story with my health. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay to stay there. Jesus says, the reason I died and rose again, not to, be your new, not to be your great teacher, not to be your guru, not to be your Zen master. I, I don't want to just help you. I don't want to just be a part of your story. I want your story to be enmeshed in my story so that ultimately you and I tell an amazing story that we get to the end of our lives. And we can have a God who looks at us and say, good, my good and faithful servant, well done. Good and faithful servant, well done. See, the reason why this is important, the reason why I start with the resurrection, and the reason why we have to start with the resurrection, because we're going to find out, we're going to find out on tonight, tonight or tomorrow, is that, that all that Jesus conquered, death and hell and sin and the grave, he shares that victory with us. Now, I know that's like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I can have victory over sin in my life? I can have victory over the strongholds in my life? I can have victory over the things that are stopping me from telling a better story? Absolutely, because this great God who conquered death, hell, and the grave said, guess what? I am so generous, I will share my victory with you. And I will make you more than a conqueror. I will make you a super Nike. So that, there are, there, there are some people in this, in this room right now, you are living below the victorious life that God desires you to live. Why? Because I think, first of all, sometimes we don't even know our identity in Christ. We don't know who we are. We don't know the power that we have. We don't know the authority that we have as followers of Jesus. And this Jesus who conquered the grave, conquered hell, conquered death, says, I will share my victory with my people. So that you and I can tell this amazing story with our lives. So Jesus is not just another teacher, not another guru. He says, I am sovereign over your story. And I want, you to, I, wanna, I want to help you tell the best story possible. But it begins with trusting me as your Savior. So I got word, um, and we're, you know, there's, a, there's always a plot twist, and we're trusting Jesus. Got word last night that... Um, that my son, Micah, who's at wrestling camp, uh, was on his uh, last run for the night, and he broke his foot. Plot twist. He broke his foot, and so um, he's on crutches, and so he has to come home today. He is crushed. And yet, and yet with all of this, I text him. I say, you know, God is sovereign over this. And even though this is a plot twist, God is the one who's writing the story. 
And I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I want you to know that in your personal lives. I want you to know that in your family lives. I want you to know that in your marriage. I want you to know that in your health. I want you to know that in your children. I want you to know this. I want you to know that, that yes, there are plot twists, but because Jesus rose from the dead, God is sovereign over your story, and he will take the plot twist, and he will change that story for his glory and honor. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much that you've given us a story. Thank you that you, um, you love us. And even though there are plot twists with our lives, even though there are an abrupt changes of the direction of the story, we know that you are a sovereign God who controls the storyline. And you always do it for your glory, for your honor, so that ultimately we are blessed as a result and your name gets ultimate and maximum praise. God, I thank you for those who are present here. God, I, I, even though I don't know them, God, I don't know them personally, uh, you've given me a capacity to love them. And so I love the stories that they're telling, and I love the stories that they're in right now. God, even though some are involved in a plot twist right now where uh, things are happening in their lives, I pray you would give them the capacity to trust you, to trust that the one who was raised again from the dead and who is living inside of them has shared his victory with them, and they too can have victory over these things, can have hope in the midst of the plot twist of their story. So God, thank you for what you're going to allow us to experience this week as your people and we honor you and bless you now, and we by faith trust that you have our best interest in mind, that you have already mapped out our future, that you're telling a good story uh, ultimately with our lives, and we know that one day we'll stand before you and you'll say, good and faithful servant, well done. Thank you again for our time together. We pray this in Jesus' name, even the one who conquered death, hell, sin, and the grave, even in his name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.